Welcome to Size Eyes, the life of a long-term multitasker. This is the Fully Content series, where content is king, but its wisdom is the kingdom. Where learning is simultaneously a convergent and divergent experience. Where the threads of all the content consumed connect to form a mesmerizing web of infinite understanding. This series explores my unique insights, learnings, and connections with books, podcasts, articles, documentaries, and any other forms of content that I consume. Ultimately though, all this knowledge is only a rumor until it is in the muscle. Hello, and this episode in the Fully Content series, I'm going to be taking a look at another book here called Be Like Jesus. So this is compilations from a lot of discourses, speeches, writings from Satya Sai Baba. I finished this book in, uh, in February, March timeframe. So very, very recently, very relevant. And a lot of the things that I took from it, I can definitely be applying immediately into my life. So let's just get into it. So I'm going to do a little summarization or as well as a few key anecdotes slash quotes that I resonated with. And I'm going to then go into my relation with it. So in one of the chapters, they were talking about how a moon is in a river in moving water, let's say, right? So if you have a river that's going along, if you have a stream, you can see the reflection of the, of the moon in there, right? Then you have a lake. The moon is still in the lake. You can see the moon through the reflection of the lake. The moon is also up in the sky. That's where it originally is. But they're all the reflection of the same thing. And so the first example of the river, the moon and the river in a moving water, is us engaged in movement and activity. Then the next, when the moon is still, is a still reflection in the lake, that's symbolizing the, the yogi within us with balance and peace. And then finally, the moon itself, the original source of it is the absolute presence. It's the primal principle. And so each is a reflection and each is valid and each is important for us. And it's up to us to find out where we are, where's the reflection, where's the original th source and where are the reflection, where are the images that are that we are seeing, that we are engaged in. So that was just a quick story that I took a note of and I think resonates. It's part of the th one of the main themes that I took from this book. Uh, one quote in there, moving to a next chapter, was, you are thinking that you are being put to suffering by your own brother. In fact, it is not suffering. Whatever happens is good for you. And so this one, I think we lose sight of the fact when we're in the day-to-day -day that we are 
not really happy with ourselves, happy with our external environment, that someone else is doing something to us, and we feel suffering. But I think when we take a look back at all our previous points of suffering, we'll look back and say, oh, that was actually, there was a, in that moment, we call it a silver lining. But when we look back, that may be one of the main reasons of who we are today. So I think that quote captures this. Another quote in there was, Wealth without wisdom becomes an instrument of exploitation and tyranny. Wisdom without wealth becomes mere fantasy and a bundle of blueprint. And so this highlights both the importance of wealth and wisdom to make sure and make an impact that aligns with your intention. And so someone can have a lot of wisdom, but if you don't have the means to share that with others or to, in whatever way that means, right? Maybe it's through the wealth of money, maybe it's through the wealth of, of other things, but combining wealth and wisdom is, is an ultimate combination and can be used for good. And right now, you know, there's a lot of people with wealth and like it said, it becomes an instrument of exploitation and tyranny. And, you know, there's various degrees of that, various extents to everything. In various ways, these are manifested. But I think on the whole, one without the other can be dangerous or illusion. Um, another thing that kind of goes along with that lake piece of it was God reflects as an image. The clearer the water, the clearer the reflection of God. So become balanced and tranquil and equanimous. So again, I think this is one of the main themes that I am have learned from this book and I'm trying to inculcate into my own mindset and living. Moving on here, another reflection type of theme here of it's like a room full of mirrors. So don't be a dog in the situation that sees all the other dogs that need to be barked at when, they're, when it's just one dog in that room full of mirrors. Instead, if you're at peace, then you'll see reflections of yourself and see all the love around you, right? And so if it's, you know, if you just see negative, if you see yourself in a negative space, every person Every soul that you see in the world is just a reflection. It's just a mirror that's just walking around. And so when you see yourself as something, as a negative space, then all you're going to see in others is also what you see in yourself. And so really, I think life is a reflection. Life is a mirror. And so just we, if we can be at peace with ourselves, then we can be at peace with anyone that we come in contact with. So one thing moving on here that I was looking at and contemplating is, it was in chapter 15 here where it says, man equates desire with love. And so I'm going to read a small passage here. Ordinary human love is motivated by self selfish considerations. It is liable to change 
owing to changes in time and circumstance. All physical relationships are like passing clouds and are subject to change. The affection between a mother and child, or between husband and wife, is incidental to a certain temporary relationship and is not real love at all. For persons immersed in such worldly love, it is difficult to comprehend or realize the greatness of divine love. And so, I think it's really, you know, eye, not eye-catching, but really striking to, I think we throw the word love around very loosely, you know, at the end of a call, let's say, with family or with friends, like, hey, love you. Um, obviously, I think, not obviously, but for me, I think in a romantic relationship, it's a little bit more guarded, if you will. It's more selective when I use that word. Um, and so, but there's a difference between that, those loves, those types of love, even with family, which we think is the deepest kind of love. But I think what this passage is saying is those are also temporary. Those may be permanent within the, con- within the scope of our life, but then our life is not the scope of the universe. So there is a greater divine love that it's really difficult to comprehend or realize, like it says, within just one lifetime. And so I I think this passage is very interesting for that reason. So moving on to kind of my, uh, my, not my takeaways, but my connections with the book. One thing that I was thinking about was, obviously love is a main theme here, main Um, value that we have and so kind of connecting with something that I thought about when I was watching one of Jordan Peterson's videos is he defines depth as we talk about like hey this is a deep conversation this is a deep topic but what is that how do you define that how do you quantify that and so what he was saying from my brief uh, viewing of it was depth is how many other things are built on top of that belief or on top of that assumption or on top of that topic? And so I think if you boil everything down, right, there's the high level and the low level. If you get all the way down to the lowest level, that's the depth. And so for me, I, I don't know what those are, but my guess right now is, is it's uh, one of those is love. And so What if I go all the way down to love, let's say that's the lowest level, and then branch and map love to all other kind of positive words and contextualize the contextualizations of love that manifest in different ways in our life, right? To show that love, to show that everything really relates back to love, right? Discipline, I think, is a form of love. Um, Well, I guess it could also be fear, but, you know, that go either way. I think respect is a form of love. Or fear, maybe. So maybe, maybe it's love and fear, and then everything branches off from there. Who knows? Maybe those are the two deepest levels. Um, I don't know. But I, w- I want to do a kind of a map of this, of like what are the lowest levels. Maybe there's a level below that too. Who knows, right? But boil it up, boil it down. However you want to think about it, but creating a map of all the words, connotations, contextualizations that we have, and relate it to love. Another thing here is I'm kind of shifting to a sports type of analogy, sports setting. 
is when someone wins a championship, I think it should be viewed as happy that the people who have, let's say, failed before were able to taste that victory. Right? I think we're so caught up in our, let's say, we're rooting for a specific team and if that team doesn't win the championship or win, doesn't win a game, we're just heartbroken, we are in dismay, we're disappointed, whatever all these feelings and emotions that we have. But how often do we feel happy for the team that actually won, especially if it's a team that beat, quote-unquote, our team, right? And so I think sports are really just a conduit for people to achieve their highest selves. I think business is that. I think where we live is that. I think our family is that. Is Everything is a means to achieve our highest potential in life. And so should we be rooting for people who haven't tasted that success? That let's say they failed over and over again or haven't won a championship. I want to be rooting for those people who haven't won a championship to taste that success, to taste that sweetness, to taste that greatness, to realize that they can achieve their highest selves in that field and build off of that for whatever they want to do after sports. So I think I'm going to shift that mindset of sports being just a conduit for people to achieve their highest selves, regardless of which team I'm rooting for. Um, I think one key takeaway, I mean, the, you know, this is highlighted in red in my notes for the book, which you can find on my book vault, by the way, is I think this book is really teaching me that life is a reflection. And I've mentioned it before here. And I think even going deeper, even the word reflection itself, when we use like, hey, I'm going to reflect in the past year, I'm going to reflect on this event, whatever it was, it means to look inwards, right? So it's a reflection is an internalization, or at least that's the connotation of it now. But, not but, but and, I think reflection is also an external process, right? When we look at the mirror or the lake or the river in those instances, the reflection is also external. So how does that relate here? When we say, I want to reflect, it not just means to look inwards, but I think it means to understand that what and who we are is reflected externally as well. It's like whatever event that happened that we're reflecting on, that reflection was a manifestation of who we were at that time prior to then. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think the main thing here is reflection is both an internal and an external meaning. So another thing here was there's a quote, I think the philosophy, however you want to phrase it, um, by Gary Vee and by maybe I think other people. It's like don't just listen to don't just listen to what I'm saying, but watch what I'm doing. And so when you combine that with people doing what they like, right, the actual thing they're doing doesn't matter. Right? Like someone could really like painting and it doesn't mean you have to like painting at all, but they're doing what they like. Right? And so the actual thing that they're, the activity that's reflected in their passion, that's the lagging indicator. And so often I think we look at those lagging indicators in society as 
what we should be doing as our leading indicator. But the leading indicator when someone really enjoys their painting is them pursuing their passion, them achieving their highest self, them becoming who they want to be. And the leading indicator is them actually doing what they want to do, not the actual activity of what they're doing. Right, so let's focus in on those leading indicators of what really drives us, that purpose, that passion, that mission, and really lean into those leading indicators. The last thing I'll say here in this book, about this book, is within the context of love transposed with the be, do, have triangle. So be, do, have is kind of just like... Um, so there's several different orientations of it. So let's say one is um, one mindset that people have is when I have this, I can do this so I can be this. So like when I have money, I can go travel, which is a doing, and then I can be happy. Right. So that's one way of viewing things. Another one is like a worker mindset, which is um, when I work, when I do, I can have more money so I can be happier. Right. So it's more of a worker mindset, like doing, doing, doing. But then there's the being first, right? In, in both of the prior instances, B is the last thing that you're doing, right? But really it's, B should be the first thing. I mean, it's human being, right? So if I am this, you know, the other state of, uh, other form of being, right? Um, if I am this, then I can do this, so then I will have all the wealth that I need, right? So when I juxtapose that with love, right? When we love, when we have, or when we love when we do something, those are only fractional to what we can be when we love as a state of being. And so, again, I'll, I'll kind of repeat that, rephrase that. When, you know, loving having something, I think it's different from loving doing something versus loving being something. And so if we can love being ourselves, then we can love doing whatever we want and we can love whatever we have or we don't have. So I'm gonna reframe my mindset into that as well. So this was a little bit longer episode, but I think I went deeper into a, a lot of different topics here. Um, hopefully you found this valuable. Um, please share with your friends, whatnot. Um, give me a message if you liked it, didn't like it, how I can improve, etc. Um, but thank you for listening to another episode of Size Eyes in the Fully Content series. I'll see you next time.